Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we have an interview with Michael Hurley, a CBS Boston sports reporter that you probably know. It's a great conversation. We talk about Stephen Gostowski. We talk about the offense. We talk a little bit about Josh Gordon. Uh, and so it's a really good conversation. You don't want to miss it. And look, I'd say we preview the, the, the Redskins game, but the Redskins think, so we're not going to do that. But it is a really interesting conversation, and you don't want to miss it. So buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's intercepted. Today it's just me uh, in the uh, for the intro here. Uh, Spags isn't on the interview, but it's just me here for the quick little intro. Uh, we want to say thank you for listening again. Look, Patriots of Forno, it wasn't pretty in Buffalo, right? We talked about it, or I talked about it in the uh, in the quick reaction show. Uh, we've been talking about it all week on on the podcast network. It wasn't great in Buffalo, right? The offense wasn't great. The defense was historically great again, as they continue to be, and the offense definitely had some uh, had some issues. Uh, to work out. Obviously, the Philip Dorsett streak ended, which was sad, especially for our show. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And, and so, you know, we move on. And, uh, you know, and as Michael says a few times in the interview, uh, you know, if they can't figure out this week against the Redskins, then we can start worrying. But for right now, let's just kind of, you know, see what they got and, and trust in Belichick and trust in this offense that they are going to be able to figure it out. So, Anyways, I'm going to get you right into the interview with uh, with Michael. It's a really fun interview. Uh, you know, you, everyone knows Michael Hurley, right? Everyone knows Michael Hurley. If you don't know him from what he does, you know him from him being, you know, trashed on Felger Maz so much, mainly because he's smart and he knows what he's doing. That, that's really why they trash on him because, you know, he's one of the guys that that is pro Patriots and but actually knows what he's doing, and so they have to, you know, combat what he says. Um, so, anyways, he's uh, he's on with us. Again, he's a writer uh, on WBZ, but he also is on Quick Slants uh, as well on Tuesday night. So interesting, uh, interesting stuff from him. So it is a really solid conversation. And so uh, again, thank you for listening again, and we appreciate it. And we will talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you next Friday, if not before. All right, we're going to welcome onto the show a Boston sports reporter from uh, WBZ from CBS. He is Michael Hurley. Uh, very well. known. 
known Boston sports guy, if you follow Boston sports, your chances are you read and listen to Michael Hurley already. We're very, very happy to have him on the show. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. That was that was nicer than what most people say about me, so I'll take it. <laughs> hey, Mike, it's the uh, the first AC alumni, Arlington Catholic alumni on the show. We were talking about that pre-recording, but welcome yeah. on, man. It's good to have a have an Arlington Catholic Cougar on finally. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, that there's many more to come from all the, oh. the great alumni base that we've established <laughs> at AC. So I'll yeah, be right? the first. <laughs> there you go. So I'll see. There you go. But we also, I have to say, Michael, we have a special connection as well, uh, because the one and only time I was shouted out on Felger and Maz, uh, it happened to be with an article uh, that we were posted on uh, together. Now, you probably don't remember because you're they talk about you nonstop over there and give you all sorts of crap for being too, you know, uh, Homer-ish. But uh, mm-hmm. we both wrote an article, similar articles about Jimmy G, and uh, about the Jimmy G trade. Oh, and, and the, they, the draft picks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they mentioned it, and they were like, "Oh, it's you know, patshonks.com or something like that." So it yeah, was, uh, was it was getting, pretty funny. Uh, they were they were overly aggressive with that one. I felt they uh, really I was were. Say that. Yeah. I remember was Pat was calling me. I was in class, and he's like, "Turn on Felger Massett. They're <laughs> they're ripping on me right now." <laughs> I'm like, "No way." <laughs> and then obviously they brought yours up, and they, you know, patshonks.com. Well, take, yeah. take your fanboy somewhere else, so that you know them. But. Well, it was just it was just yeah. funny because like they were like, "Oh, Pat Lane from Pat's pulpit," and then you know how like my, I think I think it was uh, Felger that was, oh maybe it was Murray that was reading it, and he's like, you know, uh, Pat Lane from Pat's pulpit, and then he does the pause, and he's like, Michael Hurley from CBS, I'm like, oh geez, of course, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, oh, I, I always get the text like, "Hey, Felger's killing you." It's like honestly, at this point. I don't no, care. Just, like I probably yeah. didn't do anything to deserve it. So, right, right. Have, have your day, Felder. Yep. Hey, listen, it's more clicks and more listens for you, right? So that's you know what the hell. Yeah, so. you know it's. Uh, I was I was saying before we recorded how it's it's sort of it was ever since the sports hub we used to be the same company. Obviously, corporations got involved and we're no longer the same company. But in, in one sense, it's it's a huge loss. But in the other sense, I don't get yelled at by Felder every other day, so it's kind of peaceful, a much more peaceful existence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's get into what we really want to talk about here, which is the Patriots. Um, obviously, four and zero start off to a, a historic start on defense, um, but I think offense is really kind of the 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 issue that a lot of people have had. Obviously, they haven't been able to run the ball very well. James Devlin's now on IR for the season. Um, you know, it looks like he uh, he might be done as well for the year. And so, you know, it's just uh, they're I think they're still searching for their identity a little bit. Uh, what do you think? Well, I mean, who the heck knows, right? They didn't find their identity last year to like week 15, right? But yeah. uh, do you think they're going to find an identity soon? And what do you think that identity might be? I don't necessarily know what the identity is going to be, but you just mentioned how last year they didn't really figure out until week 15 and and you could go back to, to the Pittsburgh loss last year. We, if we were having this conversation, we'd be like, this team's not going to win the Super Bowl. This team, for, for all the talent they have and all the coaching brain power and all the great quarterbacking they have, they're just, they can't do it. And then from then on, they figured out they could just steamroll everyone with the run game, and they rode that all the way to the Super Bowl. So I'm not overly concerned. I think this week there's been an incredible overreaction to a bad week in Buffalo, which that was the number two defense in the NFL and it was on a road game and it was Brady's now third trip in a row to Buffalo without throwing a touchdown. So for as, as bad as it looked at times for as, as, as disjointed as it looked, even against the jets for two, two quarters of that game, uh, going back a little bit, 
I do think there's enough talent there. I do think Brady and, and McDaniels are smart enough. And I, I just – I think there's so much talent in the backfield. I think, and you know, the, the receivers are not necessarily as good as they were with Antonio Brown, but I still think they're good enough to – to be a potent offense in the sense that they'll be a top 10 offense. They'll score enough points. And with that defense, it's not going to take a number one offense to, to win games. So uh, I think you will see them look much more like the Patriots against the Redskins, against the Giants, against the Jets. Yeah. Uh, and maybe all of this concern this week will be a little bit uh, washed away. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, until they give you a reason not to, and until he gives you a reason not to, I think this offense is always going to run through Tom Brady, despite his age. You know, is he going to throw the ball forty-five times? Is he going to throw the? Is he going to throw fifty touchdowns like Pat Mahomes? Absolutely not. You know, it's going to be more of a scheme thing. He's going to hand the ball off at times he can, but I think for me, it, it it starts with running the football. They need to figure out a way to establish a run. I know we're four weeks in. And, you know, it, it's preseason week number nine, it feels like we're heading into. I know Buffalo was a tough game, but you get you, you know what I'm saying. They need mm-hmm. to kind of figure this out and, and get rolling and figure out what's working because they got a tough six, seven-week span with, I mean, say what you want about Cleveland, but they got some, you know, some star power on offense. I think that they can cause some problems, especially for the defense. Then, you know, you go to uh, Baltimore Monday night, Philly on the road, I, you know, Dallas at home, Houston on the road, Kansas City. They, they got some tough games where I think that's a time where they need to know what they are as a football team, if you, if you know what I'm saying. No, absolutely. And I think uh, the, you, the run game, if there is one thing to be concerned about, it is the run game because it's not for lack of talent, but I, I was kind of banging the drum all summer. I'm, I'm, I'm rarely wrong. I mean, I'm really correct. So if you'd allow me to, to pat myself <laughs> on the back, uh, all summer, as everyone was concerned, concerned about this thing or that thing, I said – you lost Trent Brown. Okay, you're going to replace him. But you also lost Rob Gronkowski and Dwayne Allen, who were so significant in the run game that I think it kind of gets overblown in the whole Gronkowski retirement, who's going to replace his catches, all that. He and Dwayne Allen were outstanding as blockers. And Ryan, Ryan Izzo is just getting blown he's not, up. Like, he's blown not up a blocker. He's, he's just yeah, – Yeah, it's, it's not going well. And Ben Watson's not going to help in that regard either. He's not a blocker either. So – that 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 problem is not going away. You don't have a blocking tight end the way you used to, and now you lost James Devlin. And I know Jakob Johnson is a great story, and maybe he'll end up being the next you know b- typical Belichick story who contributes to a Super Bowl or something like that. But you're asking a lot of him to to replace James Devlin, who is extremely valuable. And I, I joke around a little bit when I say this, but also not the one year out of the last five that the Patriots didn't make the Super Bowl was the year that James Devlin was on IR. So. Maybe right. that is a pure coincidence. It is, but still, it, he's a valuable player. So the run game well, he, uh, needs a lot yeah. of work. No, he is, and, and I think too part of the run game situation is that they're just the predictability is awful. I mean, if, if yeah. you know, if Sony is in the game, they're running the ball. They're they're not they're not even doing play action. Have they run no. any play well, action? Run, with Sony? They've run play action they with have. Michelle, and it's worked a little bit. Uh, you but know, it's and, not enough, and it's been successful, like, but. But well, the problem is, is that it's not to me. If you're if you're you know a, a defender in the game and you see Sony Michelle in the backfield, number one, you don't have to worry about him coming out of the backfield to catch a pass. And number two, like seventy percent of the time, it's going to be a run. So it's like, well, of course, we'll just sell out for the run in this situation. And if you beat us with a, you know with a play action, you beat us with a play action. But seven out of ten times, you're going to be successful against it, and you're going to pick up nothing because I'm going to throw eight guys in the box, and you're still going to run the ball. And I just. That's the type of stuff that they have to work on. They talked about getting Michelle more involved in the passing game, and they haven't. Now, whether that's because the coaches decide they don't, he doesn't need it, 
or, you know, they, or they, you know, or he physically himself can't do it, which is an indictment on him. I don't know which one it is, but the fact is that they yeah. have to, they have to work him in more to the passing game or else he's never going to pick up more than three or four yards a, a carry because he just, they're just going to put eight guys in the box and he's screwed. And people yeah, wonder I mean, why Rex Burkhead is, is, uh, you know, he, what do you have? Eight carries for 44 yards, whatever is, is, um, you know, versus the jets and week one, he was dominant. It's because you don't know what you're going to get out of him. I mean, a little bit with James white too, right? I mean, most times he's in the game, he's mostly going to be, you know, in motion right. or in the slot or catching a pass. But he, I mean, so occasionally gets a carry. He's not so one dimensional like Michelle is, but people wonder why Burkhead is, you know, putting up the numbers he is, is because he's unpredictable. You don't know what you're going to get, especially when they go to running back set with Burkhead white in the field. It's like, Oh shit. Like what, what are we going to do here? Yeah. And I do think, I mean, the Michelle thing is weird because I mean, he caught some passes at Georgia. He wasn't a receiving back by any means, but he had, you know, something like 20 catches for 400 yards every year, something like that. You know, like he was an effective pass catcher and, uh, he was so bad last year at it because I think he missed, you know, all of the preseason with the injury and never got to get that working with Brady. So I think last year they just kind of scrapped him and said, like, whatever, we're not going to do it. But then this summer it seemed to be sort of a priority to get him involved in the passing game somewhat. So now I wonder if they liked enough what they saw and they're saving it or something like that, or if they just figure, well, White is obviously a better pass catcher and Brunkin is obviously a better pass catcher. So we're going to throw the ball to them in a game. But at a certain point, the predictability becomes a little bit too much. And I think it's even worse this year than it was last year with Michelle. So I don't know. They, they, the, the, they, that's probably something that might help them along because when, like you said, when Michelle's on the field, the defense really likes to relax a little bit. And that should never be the case if you're the Patriots with Tom Brady. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, speaking of offense here, Michael, and, and me and Pat kind of talked about it a little bit. Uh, we talked about it on the phone before the show, but I, I want to talk about Josh Gordon because I think uh, coming into the year, obviously, you know, it w- was uncertain what was going to happen, but, um, you know, got reinstated with about three weeks or third week of preseason. And I think we expected a little bit too much from a player who's played, I think, 20 football games since 2014, something crazy like that. And, you know, we've seen spurts of greatness from him and, and, you know, the spectacular catch going over the middle. I think Pittsburgh was one of his best games as a member of the Patriots. He was dominant. Uh, They had no answer for him. But he's been a little inconsistent. And I know he's been banged up and he seems good mentally, which is, you know, ultimately the, the most important thing. But, uh, I think getting him going is is going to be crucial to this team, especially the passing game, because we've seen the dominance from him. When he gets going, you can't you can't stop him, especially when you mix him in with Edelman and White and the other pieces that go on. I mean, Gordon, get him going; it, it's dangerous for opposing uh, defenses. Yeah, I mean, he is an absolute beast, and that Pittsburgh game was the ultimate showing of it. When he took that ball over the middle, <sighs> knew he was going to get popped, still hung on and just popped right up. I mean, that is a pretty special talent. And I think, I don't know exactly what it is. I think last week, for whatever reason, the game plan seemed to be uh, feeding Philip Dorsett, which didn't work. Uh, Maybe if, if, maybe if they came out throwing a Gordon instead of Dorsett, they might've found more success for everybody. I don't know. Maybe wasn't the the best game plan in retrospect, but that's what they went with. Uh, One thing with Gordon though, I was looking at this the other day. So last year, my stats might be off a little. But I believe he averaged 18 and a half yards per reception and something like 10 and a half yards per target, uh, which were both, you know, obviously extraordinarily high for a player in this offense. This year, it's down to something like 14 yards per reception and like uh, it was lower than the 10 and a half per target. I mean, it's yeah, like so like eight or nine or something. 
Yeah, he has. I don't. Know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but yeah. Uh, so there's no doubt that that explosiveness, that the that the the, the big plays aren't there. So I don't know if it, what what that is. I mean, the entire offense didn't look great against the Jets, like I said. And Buffalo was a huge challenge. I really think this week, if there's problems in Washington, then we can have a lot of conversations about a lot of things. But until until that happens, I'm still of belief that they'll go to Washington and beat up on the league's second worst defense in terms of points scored and 28th in terms of yards this is a, an offense and, and i put this in the story today they made uh mitchell trubisky look like an mvp <laughs> candidate they they allowed him to throw something like 86 percent passing for 250 yards three touchdowns and a pick which was entirely trubisky's fault he should have right. four touchdowns and no picks he underthrew an end zone fade so honestly this team in washington stinks so bad and I think it's going to change a lot of narratives, storylines, whatever you want to call it, uh, next week. And we'll say, okay, they can still do what they can, and they have something to work with. Yeah, it's it's really um, it's really unbelievable. I mean, Washington is just is so bad. It is just so bad. It, it's it's unbelievably bad. And you know, Spags and I were talking about this off air too. Like we we almost can't even preview the game. Like it's a joke. Like yep. there's no way that they lose this game. There's almost no conceivable way you can see that them losing this game. I mean, Washington doesn't even know who's starting a quarterback for God's sakes. Like they're just, they're just a complete mess over there. They play, they're just awful. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you're right. Like if they don't get it going this weekend, well now there's an issue going on. But I think the Gordon thing for me, like I look at Josh Gordon and I was just, a, a, I don't, alarmed is the wrong word, but I was concerned you know, when I think it was Jeff, uh, Jeff Howe asked him the question about, you know, how the season was going. And he's like, you know, the season's a grind and, and, you know, uh, I'm here or I'm feeling okay or something like that. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, that doesn't sound great. Like we're four weeks into the season, you know, like that's, and so he hasn't played. Now he played a decent amount last year. I think he played, what did he played 10 games, 12 games last year. So like he was on the field for a decent amount. And, um, and as much as, as much as, um, you know, he's been inconsistent and we need more from him. Pat, like we, this offense needs him. I mean, even to be a decoy, right. even if he's not bringing you, I mean, no, let's yeah. face it, 2013 Josh Gordon, shout out Rick Pitino, he ain't walking through that door. <laughs> but like, he's still pretty dominant. He's a, a red zone threat. He's going to beat a lot of one-on-ones if he gets them, right? I mean, just his size, speed, strength, we, they, they need him. They really do. He's he is the X factor. I know Edelman gets everything going, but Josh Gordon can bring so much to this offense, and we just, I want to see it. I want to see it consistently in a dominant way. Yeah. No, and so last year, 12 games last year is what it was he okay. played, and then five the year before, then obviously off for two seasons, and then five in 2014, and then 14 in 2013. So, I mean, like, not many games, uh, which is which is wild, you know. So it's one of those things where, yeah, he's not used to it. And, uh, you know, and so that's, that's the interesting thing. Now, it's funny because I feel like there's injury concerns with some other guys like Edelman and Hightower and, you know, guys like that for the opposite reason where, you know, I think the Patriots since 2014 have played 13 uh, playoff games just since 2014. And so you look at those guys that have been on the team, they've played almost a full season more than a guy on the Jets or, you know, whoever else that hasn't played, you know, that hasn't really played in the playoffs. And that takes a toll on your body to play it in the same, in the same amount of time. So, you know, it's, um, it's kind of funny where, you know, on one end, it's like, well, Gordon hasn't played a lot, so his body's not really ready for it. But then on the other hand, I'm like, 
well, these guys have played a lot, and so their body's right. not ready for it either. So it's kind of like, you know, it's almost like both ends I'm, I'm nervous about, you know? Yeah, no, and I think, you know, when you play the style, those two guys you mentioned, Edelman and Hightower, the physical style of fo- football they play, I mean, every game they play, game. So to, to factor that in, I remember talking to Edelman before the Super Bowl last year because I was writing about how absolutely nuts he is because there was a play against the Chargers last year where he had you know an easy an easy catch over the middle, an easy first down. He could have easily gone out of bounds, dropped to the ground. Instead, he just drops his shoulder into a linebacker because he's absolutely nuts. And he's like, yeah, I gotta I gotta stop doing that. That's that's not good for anybody. So uh, his, the physical toll on him is concerning. But even still, he's got the chest injury. He's out there, you know taking out safeties or cornerbacks on the uh, Brandon Bolden run last week. So he's just absolutely nuts. So if anything, they're going to have to, you know, build on him to try to limit him from hurting himself anymore. Because I think once, when he's on the field, like he only knows one way to play. Right. They obviously can't afford to lose a guy like that. Right. And And speaking of, you know, can't afford to lose guys. I'm on the train where I know, People have mixed opinions about it, but we gotta we gotta debate and talk. But I, I think this loss, I mean, of Steven Guskowski is is huge. I mean, name a kicker out there that has as many big game attempts. And I know you can get on me about, you know, the Denver misses, the the misses, the extra points in the Super Bowls, but if you put it in a in a you know, an aspect where how, he, this guy's been around for so long that he's had so many big kicks, you're you're bound to miss a few here and there. And obviously here in this town. You know, we scrutinize those, you know, those things we remember, especially the Denver one. That was like, that's a nightmare for a lot of people. But Mike Nugent is like 13 for 31, I think, from 50 <laughs> plus deep. Uh, you know, it, it, outdoor in, in Foxborough in January when it's two degrees out, windy, a blizzard, whatever. You, I don't trust this guy. I want Steven Guskowski, whether, you know, he's been having a good year or not. I, I just, this is a, this is a pretty big loss for them. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone reasonable, and you never know who you're reacting to or what you're reacting to, because most reasonable pe- reasonable people lay it out like you just did, where, yes, he had some big misses in his past. There's no doubt Super Bowl 51 stands out with the missed PAT, with the, mm-hmm. with the, bad, uh, the bad onside kick and whatnot. Uh, that, that was a bad one. The Denver one was a bad one. He missed a field goal and a PAT against the Eagles. Obviously, these things happen. He even missed one last year in the uh, field goal last year in the Super Bowl. But the yeah. end of, he ended up forty-one yard at ice it. So I think those 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 big kicks aren't remembered as much. A because there's so many of them, and because B he followed Adam Vinatieri, who had the biggest kicks in football history. Right. So no, nothing's ever going to stand out like a kick in the snow, you know, a forty-some odd yarder in a driving snowstorm uh, to beat the Raiders when you're not supposed to win and, and things like that. So. It's tough, but realistically, Goskowski is the fourth most accurate field goal kicker in NFL history. He's made the 14th most field goals of all time. He's in the top 10 if you count all of his postseason ones. I think he has the second, no, third most postseason field goals behind Vinatieri and someone else. But, I mean, his his resume is ridiculous. He's obviously missed some PATs this year, which is weird. But uh, I agree with you in your assessment that Shane Graham is a significant downgrade. He's not a, a disaster like by any means. But uh, it's I'm sorry. Did I say Shane Graham? You yeah, did. Yeah, that's okay. He's the only. He's the only. Uh, only guy in between those two. It's like crazy. He's played eight yeah, games, no. and Belichick and uh, or Guskowski and Vinatieri have combined for like over 300 games combined in this in this dynasty. It's insane. I think when he came in in 2010, we all kind of said, eh, and then he ended up being fine. So I, I would expect slight. 
now, but uh, 37 years old. But you know, it's it's something we aren't used to in New England. And bad coaching, which is something that every franchise across the league is basically has to deal with. So it's just a little yeah. bit more of living like the rest of the world. Right. Yeah. No, and you broke up a little bit on on us there, Mike. But um, right. but you know that's okay. To, just to piggyback off that, I I mean I agree with you. Like I just look at it and just say, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't, and that's the way I look at it. And 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 look, I mean, yeah, Gostowski has some big misses, but I mean, like it, realistically, if you look at it, he just he's been consistent over time. The Patriots have been consistent in trusting him and having him and being there. They saw Jake Bailey this year. And Ryan Allen was a great punter. And they said, you know what? We're drafting Jake Bailey because we feel like we can upgrade over Ryan Allen. And they did. And Ryan Allen, love the guy, still hasn't been picked up by an NFL team yet. Uh, so, you know, you know, like that that's part of the issue there. So you look at it and say, okay, well, now Ryan Allen hasn't been picked up by a team. So, you know, so that's kind of now I'm looking at I'm looking at kind of all that stuff going on and saying, well, the Patriots have never had never gone out and got another kicker, right? And when Gostowski came out of the league, when Gostowski came out of the draft, they had an inventory, and they drafted Gostowski anyways because they thought they could, he could be his replacement, and of course he was. And so, you know, I look at it and say, if you look at Belichick's history, he's had two quarterbacks, and he's had two kickers, and like, and so that to me, you look at those two consistent spots, you know, that's it's really kind of interesting when you start looking at it, saying, yeah, you can talk about it all you want, but the fact of the matter is that. Belichick's what he's done and his actions have speaking way louder than, than anyone's words. So to kind of wrap things up here, guys, Sorry. obviously, uh, no, it's fine. It's fine. Like a little bit of a break up there. That's why I kind of wanted to run into okay. this, but it's on the topic. So I, it, it, it's worth it. Um, Jesus Fernandez asks, I have a question. Why wasn't the press up on the fact that Goss had an injury? I mean, this was something they said they were dealing with it since the middle of the summer. Instead, all we heard, it was in his head. Why didn't anyone ask about his health? And that this, I guess I can kind of ask you this, Michael, being around him. It was reported at the end of last year during the summer, I think, that he was, he was debating having this hip surgery. It had been bothering him towards the end of last year. And obviously he elected not to do it, and it seems like he re-aggravated it this year. I mean, obviously from the misses, do we know it was from his health? Was he hurt? Or was it, you know, even Jake Bailey just not getting used to the holding? It was just an awkward kind of thing here. Well, I think, you know, we, we have heard reports of that, but as long as uh, as long as you can still hear me on the phone. Um, yep. <laughs> the, the, the video was going around on Twitter of Goskowski covering a kick in Buffalo where he tried to break down and make a tackle. The guy put a move on him and he completely, you can see his leg completely go out on him. So I have a feeling that was a pretty significant moment uh, in the Stephen Goskowski hip injury, whether it was bad before that or not, I'm not sure. But to me, if it was something that the team was concerned about, they wouldn't have had him doing kickoffs because they have someone who can do the kickoffs in Josh Bailey. So to me, it was something that probably aggravated a month ago they let rest and heal and, and clear up, and they signed him. And I don't think it was necessarily a concern because, again, if you have someone in-house who can kick the ball through the back of the end zone off a tee, why would you have your 35-year-old kicker doing it while he's dealing with an injury? So right. either the Patriots are complete bozos, which I I have – I, through 20 years I have a good grasp that they're not. <laughs> um, either they're complete bozos or it wasn't really bothering him until that play. So I, I have a feeling it was that. I don't think the misses have anything to do with that. I think kickers struggle sometimes. Uh, Nugent, the guy they got, missed 
five extra points over a four-game span on nine tries at the end of 2016. So these things can happen to kickers. Again, we we aren't used to it in New England, but they do happen. It is still difficult to kick an oblong football through the goalpost. So uh, that that would be my best guess. Obviously, I don't know, but we all just guess. No, I mean, you're right. If, if this were the Jets, then you could say, you know, okay, well, maybe he had an injury and they would just send him out there anyways. But you're right. You have Jake Bailey. He can do the kickoffs. He did kick off in college. He did kick off in, in the preseason. He can do that. And so if you were, if you're really truly worried about Kostowski being injured, it's stupid to throw him out there in kickoffs because what the hell do you gain from that? You don't gain anything from that. And so, you know, maybe he did aggravate it a little bit during the during the offseason, but then it was fine. And then it turns out actually it wasn't fine. Uh, you know, when he went to go make a tackle and and like you said, and you know, and, and actually really hurt it in that situation. I think I said Josh Bailey too, so that's two kickers' names. Uh, two, uh, I've screwed up, so we'll see what well, we'll know. see what comes next. They're just kickers. They're not a real baseball. People. I think that's a baseball pitcher, Josh Bailey. I think he pitches. I think you're right. I think you're right. Maybe Andrew maybe. Bailey. We've we'll had a lot that. of Baileys actually, low key. <laughs> mm. Yeah, we have. But yeah, I, I I just think you know, it's it's a downgrade, and and I brought up Shane Graham earlier accidentally, but I'll bring him up on purpose now. In 2010, it was a downgrade, and they managed it. It's just, you know, things change a little bit. When it's fourth and two from the 32, you know, maybe it's not an automatic field goal anymore. Maybe it's a go for two, and I don't know. If the offense can figure some things out, that's probably not the worst thing in the world. So uh, they, they have the, the brain power to, to get through it. Hmm. All right, Spags, you got one more question over there? Yeah, so we have a question from Earl Mangwich. This is the last one here, kind of wrap things up. Ryan Michael Pat, the NFL career TD chase, Brady versus Breeze and Manning, remains confusing to me as playoff touchdowns are omitted. Playoffs seem to occur during a player's career. So why am I misunderstanding the calculus here? Signed, Earl Mangwich, vexed and perplexed. Hashtag Patriots. <laughs> what? It's a great so question. A little- yeah, great question, but I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm not so talking about maker. I put, I put a sarcastic sort of comment in my story today because I wrote about how Brady can pass both both Brett Favre and Peyton Manning in the all-time passing yards list this weekend, and I put a, a you know sassy parenthetical that for whatever reason the most important games in the sport don't count towards stats for some reason. No, they um, don't. I I would say that the reasoning is because it's not allotted evenly for everyone, as in. Not everyone gets that opportunity to play. What has Brady played? 40 playoff games? Yeah, um, something ridiculous like that, yeah. And to that, I would say you only get to play more playoff games if you win more playoff games. So I don't know that you would want to necessarily ding someone for succeeding. It seems like a weird thing. So uh, it, it all plays in. I mean, does it really matter? No, not really. I think the Super Bowl wins is the ultimate uh, achievement for Brady when it comes to the stats and all things. But at the same time, for a guy that is still oddly playing despite accomplishing everything, I feel like it does kind of matter a little bit. You remember that email he sent to his friend that got publicized in the Deflategate situation when right. he said, you know, he's got, he's got one year left. I've got, I've got five, you know, game on. <laughs> I think there is a part, just like any competitor to, you know, finish higher than the other guys. So he's right. going to pass Peyton Manning. There's no doubt about that. It's just him and Breeze for the yards, but, I mean, we know that if you take in the, the postseason yards, Brady already has both by a long by yeah. a country mile in both categories. So, I mean, it is what it is. Well, it's funny with the with the playoff stats because um, we, when Eli, you know, Eli gets benched, 
Um, you know, and you, and we have this whole discussion about Eli Manning being Hall of Famer and this and that. And I, I went back and forth with a bunch of people basically saying is a Hall of Famer and will be a Hall of Famer, but deserves it. Um, you know, I was looking at a stat that not that I invented it or created it or anything like that, but you know, it's a stat that that's weird but doesn't really exist. But I kind of whatever, like it's basically fourth quarter drives in the Super Bowl to either tie the game or take the lead. And I include overtime only because of Brady. Um, you know, but fourth quarter drives in the, in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl to either tie the game or take the lead. Eli Manning has three. He's second all time behind Tom Brady, who has 10. And so mm-hmm. it's like, you know, so you start looking around at, at, at things like that. And, you know, anyone that questions Brady's great and stupid. And we, you know, not that we're discussing that here because we're obviously not, but, you know, to have 10 of something like that is insane. <laughs> and to have the next, you know, the next highest person against has three of them. And he's the only other guy that even has, I believe he's the only guy that has more. Maybe someone else has two, but I think he's the only guy that even has more than one, I think in, in all time NFL. So like, you know, when you start looking around, it's like, it just doesn't happen. Like, yes, guys win Super Bowls. Yeah. And, you know, and Montana won four Super Bowls and all this other stuff and great and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, he wins them 55 to 10. And it's like, so it's not even a competition. You know, so really, it's like he had that one great drive. Everyone talks about the drive. Oh, my God, it's the drive. And, oh, God, oh, it's the drive. And it's like, well, yeah, Brady did that too uh, after he had already cut down the lead from 19. Like, so it's like, yeah, that was the <laughs> ending drive. But it was 91 yards, same way as that. But it doesn't get talked about because it's Tom Brady and not and not Joe Montana. And so it's one of those things where it's just funny where you look at it and you wonder why people don't talk about the playoffs as much when they're looking at stats. I guess it's hard to compute the stats, right? It's like, well, the stats are right in front of you when you're talking about all-time stats as opposed to then combining playoff stats with it too, right? It's like extra work, I suppose. Yeah, like it's not Brady's fault that Manning went one and done seven times or whatever it was. It's not – it's not, you know, Brady's fault that Breeze only has however many playoff games. Like, it's you only get to play more playoff games if you succeed. So I feel like, I mean, granted, the quarterback, I don't know how you guys feel about quarterback wins. I think they have value because the guy touches the ball more than anyone. Uh, but they're obviously not the end-all, be-all. You look at, I don't know, the AFC Championship game win against the Ravens. Brady didn't play particularly. Like, you can win a playoff game without playing well, and you can lose a playoff game while playing well. But right. on balance... Well, yeah, on the, on balance over the course of a career, it kind of evens out. It's not a coincidence that Brady's played 40 playoff games and nobody else has. I think that's uh, kind of agreeable. So, yeah, I mean, and again, I don't know that it really matters because anyone that argues against, you know, Brady being great is just crazy or gets paid to do it on TV. Uh, so it probably doesn't matter in the end, but we all have the uh, right argument here. So, I mean, there's yeah. not much else we can say. I, I assume you heard Max Kellerman called him a game manager today. Oh, he's a game manager. It's a, it's I, I kind of said that. I said that a little bit in the summer. I was like, "Oh, Brady's it's unbelievable." You, you jumped down. I, mean, I didn't even mean it like that. Obviously, no, I no, like, I know. He's gonna yeah. take a step down from throwing the ball fifty times. He'll be yeah. more of a game manager than he was before. But obviously, but I mean, he's not a game manager. Come on, Jared Stidham was a game manager at Auburn. That's a game manager, right? Yeah, and I think the biggest thing last year. I remember sitting in the airport on the way to the Super Bowl. Some one of the bozos was saying his arm strength was cooked or whatever, and I just made some gifts going back to week 16. It was like the, some of the touchdown he threw against the Jets to Dorsett where he ran to the right, hit the back yep. of the end zone. Uh, the third and tens in Kansas City with the bullets. 
to, to Edelman, the, the one to Gronkowski on the last third and 10 was unbelievable. Some of the, yep. the throw he made to Dorsett for the touchdown in Kansas City, like physically the guy still has it. The offense obviously isn't running as efficiently as it ever has, but it, when it comes to, you know, dropping back and making throws, the guy still is every bit the same quarterback we're used to, which I did not expect to be the case at age 42. Uh, I was proven I don't know, a year, two years, three years ago. So right now I'm just at the point where, you know, all those people that, that say anything like that, they, they're allowed to say it and, you know, amplify it and get whatever attention they want. But when you watch the guy play quarterback, it's still just unbelievable. Yeah, it is. And it, it it's, it is otherworldly. It really is otherworldly. And, and it's, it's never been done before. And I can't, well, maybe, maybe it'll be done again, but uh, it's just, it, it's been, it's been unbelievable. So, so. Mm-hmm. So, well, anyways, Michael, man, thank you so much for coming on. It's uh, it's great to talk to you. I know you were on my show, my old uh, Weekend Warrior podcast show, once or twice, uh, and it's always fun talking to you. And, you know, I know we – I, I could speak for Spags here and say that, you know, we we love the stuff you do. We think you do – you're great at what you do, and the people in Boston love what you do as well. So uh, we're, we're really excited to have you on, and we appreciate it, and we'd love to have you on again another time. Appreciate that. I, I really do. And I do want to add one thing because you said it's hard to preview this Redskins game. There's one thing I want to say that I'm going to be on the lookout for, which is just disrespectful disrespectful defenses. And they ran such disrespectful defenses against Luke Falk with no safeties, just cover zero. You cannot beat us. I Absolutely you can't. And it, they were right. They did it against Matt Barkley and Josh Allen, and they were absolutely right. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what they do uh, just in terms of, you know, Cover zero, blitzing eight. However, what, however they manage whoever's a quarterback, it's going to be pretty funny. I just that's that's, that's the great. only thing I'm looking for. Sometimes. Hey, it's something to look out for. I like that a lot. Yeah. Something, to, something, something to look out for. Great. Listen, before you leave, why don't you plug yourself? You know, where can people see you, find you, read you, everything else? I've been doing a lot of quick slants on Tuesdays at six. So watch that. I stand there, and Tom Curran gives his takes, and then I tell him he's wrong, and then he looks at me funny. <laughs> And then we have a good <laughs> chuckle. So uh, that's a good show. Uh, CBS Austin, all my writing stuff. I write, uh, you know, a million stories a day. So try to keep up with that. So you got that. That, that's, that should keep everyone busy, I think. That's, that's enough great. of me. That's great. All right. Well, thank you very much again for coming on. And uh, we hope you have a great night. And we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate Take care, Mike. It. Thank you. See ya. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.